0: Welcome to In The News, Conversations Around Security, a new and dynamic podcast where we dissect today's headlines through the critical lens of security risk management and where awareness meets analysis. Join us on the 1st and 15th of each month as we bring you a fresh episode packed with informative debates, expert analysis, and thought-provoking insights offering a nuanced perspective on the stories that shape our world. So buckle up and join us for a look at what's In The News, Conversations Around Security. Welcome to In The News, conversations around security. It's uh, Luciano Cedroni with you, and as always, Brian Klayman, my co-host. Today's episode is the first of what we expect to be a uh, two-episode podcast or series focused on specifically Hamas and the implications uh, they may have. Uh, for Canada, if any, and that's why we've got uh, a really good expert to tell us about it today. Uh, with us is going to be special guest Phil Gursky. He's the president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. Some of you may recognize Phil from his extensive online activity, numerous media interviews as a terrorist expert in Canada, and of course, Phil was one of our early guests back on the old Protecting Your Assets uh, podcast series that we had a couple of years ago. Uh, Phil has 30 years experience as a strategic intelligence analyst specializing in radicalization and homegrown Islamist extremism uh, with the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, known as CSIS to the most to most of us in the public. He's worked with Public Safety, Canada, OPP, and some of those other uh, government agencies as well. He's also written six books, and the latest of which is titled The Peaceable Kingdom. You can find that online or on his website or on his LinkedIn profile, pardon me. Um, It is a history of terrorism in Canada from confederation to the present Uh, and he talks about while Canada has not been menaced by um, terrorism like some countries have it is not immune and that's really what we're going to be getting into today. You can find Phil on LinkedIn and we will post his details on our podcast with his background and credentials uh, as well for for you to uh, to look into afterwards. So with that said welcome Phil welcome Brian any opening uh, hellos or comments you want to make? Luke, it's great
1: it to be back. It's great to have Phil with us as our guest. He's just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, this is going to be an interesting topic. It's uh, certainly in the news, and there certainly is an access to security in our day-to-day security operations in Canada. So I'm excited to get into it. Phil? Uh, yeah, thanks, Luke and Brian, for having
2: me back on the podcast. Uh, the fact that you're having me back, is, I guess, means I didn't completely screw up the first time. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking about what, what you say is a very important issue, and I think one that's largely misrepresented uh, in the canadian media
0: well i'm excited because i'm tired of talking to brian so it's nice to have another intelligent person to, to talk to <laughs> or oh, oh, another intelligence <laughs> you're, you're, yeah,
2: you're, I heard you're, you're giving brian the at least he's saying he's intelligent that's
1: good yeah, i i heard that also are you okay <laughs> <laughs> Did I must you be drinking.
0: Oh, you uh, that didn't go the way i expected it to go but uh, <laughs> let's plot on all right so before we get into the actual discussion um, I think it's important for, for, for me to give uh, our listeners a, a sort of Cole's notes on what Hamas is, who they are. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there, as you can imagine, in the press. Uh, so I'm going to get, it's about two paragraphs of, of uh, background information, that I'm going to turn it over to Brian to kick they're off. They're essentially
1: here. a charity, right? They're just a group yeah. of... Yes, yeah,
0: much they're like okay. the uh, the Hells Angels. They're very good people. Yeah. As long as they're your neighbors. They're the, the, the Salvation Army thing. and guys. Yeah. That yeah. type, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 All right, so... Uh, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> and have been living under a rock or something, <laughs> Hamas is a Palestinian nationalist Islamist Islamist movement that was founded in 1987. Uh, it's dedicated to the establishment of an independent Islamic state uh, for Palestine. It opposed the secular approach of the Palestinian Liberation Army. You may remember Yasser Arafat and the PLO back in the day. Um, so they opposed what uh, the PLO was trying to achieve for an Israeli-Palestinian uh, sort of cohabitation or dual state, and rejected attempts to cede any part of Palestine, uh, instead embracing the use of violence, including acts of terrorism, as a means to achieve its goals. Um, over the years, it has conducted numerous attacks in Gaza and Israel, the latest of which being, of course, October 7th, the surprise attack against Israel. And I want to give some details on here because I think it's important to understand that this isn't just a regular terrorist group. Um, you know, the surprise attack uh, Ended up with some 1,200 Israelis being killed, uh, 240 taken prisoner. The attack was coordinated between land, sea, and air resources, including some 1,500 militants. uh, 2,200 rockets launched within a 20-minute time span. um, Breaching of the Israeli border and some high-tech fortifications using explosives, bulldozers, disabling communications networks for nearby military posts, helping them to conduct those attacks. And to me, it indicates a level of complexity that we haven't seen from this type of group before, and that should be concerning. Those uh, stats are from the Britannica.com. For those who are interested, i like to reference my sources. Um, And according to a recent statement by the FBI Director Christopher Wray, the actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration for terrorist threats to the U.S. and the West, the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. So, Getting back to sort of what we're going to be talking about today, our Canadian Prime Minister and, uh, you know, some of the responses from Canada haven't exactly been received well by either side. Um, initially, Justin Trudeau sort of condemned Netanyahu and, and the Israelis for for being overly aggressive um, and killing babies. As I recall, one of the press conferences, he had to back, backpedal pretty quickly on that. And he has had a number of occasions where sort of trying to speak to both sides of the conflict, trying to, to appease the... Uh, the Jewish um, Israelis, and then at the same time, not necessarily you know, condemning Hamas for their atrocities since those attacks. So really what I want to uh, direct us to and sort of kick off today's conversation is, we've seen the protests in Canada, we've seen them across the West. Um, they've been getting increasingly large uh, and more violent as we've seen in the last couple of weeks in particular, in Toronto. Um, so I'm gonna turn it over to Brian first, but my my thoughts, my initial thoughts for you, Phil, are. How serious is the threat of Hamas for Canadians? Um, I don't think they've ever had an attack outside of the Israeli Gaza Strip, but that doesn't mean they don't have sympathizers here and, you know, associates, affiliates that might be inspired by what's going on and cause problems for Canadians. So, Brian, that's what I'm going to turn over to you. I'm done talking, and I'm going to listen.
1: I, I've got nothing to add. I, I think you set this set this up really well, and maybe over to Phil. Phil, start off by correcting anything that Luke may yeah. have said wrong, mm-hmm. but over to you, sir. Sure. Okay. Um, well, that's a good introduction, Luke. I mean, you really set the stage
2: for this and a, a couple of facts need to be made. Uh, I'm always a big believer in data and I'm a, a big believer in using corroborated information from different sources. That's what I did in Intel for more than 32 years. So let's start with some, some primary data that, that, that we have to accept as real uh, and as legitimate before I can move on. Okay. Number one, Hamas is a listed terrorist entity in Canada. Now, what what that means is that after the 9-11 attacks, Public Safety Canada established a list of groups it considers to be terrorists in nature, as defined by Section 83.01 of the Criminal Code. That list was actually made up by CSIS. I was at CSIS at the time. Uh, I actually wrote the first Al-Qaeda listing back in the spring of 2002. So we used intelligence um, and open source information because the list is public. It's not a secret list. It's it's available on the Public Safety Canada website. And Hamas has been on list for a very long time. So yes, they are a listed terrorist entity. Secondly, you noted that Hamas traditionally has focused its attacks on Israel or within the Palestinian territories. And that's true. But in the last month alone, we've had the governments of Germany, the Netherlands, Spain, Austria, and Denmark all expressed extreme caution and concern that Hamas, or those aligned or sympathetic to Hamas, uh, given what's happening in the Gaza trip right now, would carry out attacks over the Christmas-New Year's period. A couple of arrests were made in Austria last week. Now, there were no uh, attacks during Christmas period, thank God, but New Year's is coming up in four days' time. And the Netherlands, for example, raised its terrorism threat level to the second highest. In other words, and, and countries only do that in response to intelligence that they have gathered to indicate that something is going to happen. This would um, constitute a very significant shift in what Hamas has done historically. And a lot of analysts I've been reading online are worried now that what you're, what we're experiencing is a group that's willing to expand its operations outside of Israel proper. You know they're they're taking advantage of an awful lot of anger, Luke. You talk about the demonstrations in in Ottawa and Toronto and shopping malls, highways being blocked, et cetera, et cetera. The footage from Gaza, whether it's real or not, that's an entirely different issue. There's a lot of fake information out there, but there's no question that there's a lot of suffering among civilians within the in the Gaza Strip. Um, You you know, when, when wars happen, bad shit happens. I mean, wars aren't precise. As good as the Israeli defense forces and Israeli air force are, mistakes are made. That's also remind your listeners that Hamas deliberately hides its operations within civilian populations. Whether it's in the tunnels, um, the, the hospital that was allegedly bombed by Israel turned out to be actually a Hamas rocket that went awry. Uh, they set up in hospitals, they set up in mosques, they set up in schools, they set up in playgrounds. And Israel, which had no choice but to go after Hamas after the horrendous nature of the attack on October the 7th, trying to find those responsible is killing civilians because civilians are simply living amongst Hamas because that's what Hamas does to try to gain international attention and and international sympathy. So what's happening is that uh, the fears are that this is now going well beyond, as I said, the traditional borders of Hamas activity. We know that Hamas raises funds internationally, including here in Canada. We know that Hamas has supporters and there seems to be this confusion, despite the fact that Canada Lists hamas as a terrorist entity a lot of people see them as as a resistance force which is actually kind of ironic because the m in hamas in arabic stands for resistance mm-hmm. okay uh hamas stands for mm-hmm. the islamic resistance front essentially or movement in arabic and people are basically are trying to pretend that hamas are freedom fighters uh, and I think what's happening now is that people are, are uh, willing to ignore the fact that Hamas is a terrorist group because of the, they're taking the, the, the side of the Palestinians. And to me, one of the most worrisome slogans that's being used by a lot of people is that Palestine, you know, Palestine shall be free from the river to the sea. Um, if you look at a map, that means Israel disappears.
1: There is Bill, no Israel. I just want to go back a little bit before we yeah. go. Too far onto it, where you talked about how they're sort of embedded in civilian infrastructure, hospitals, schools, that type of thing, which has probably led a lot to the uh, casualty rate yes, in Gaza, and as well as the negative backlash towards Israel, who was a victim that's now seen as the aggressor. How much precedent or unprecedented is it in global conflict in the last hundred years where you've had an adversary do what Hamas has done tactically? it's an incredible
2: attack i mean you know people have said that uh, you look on a per capita basis the attack october 7th is is well beyond what happened on 9 11 back in, in the united states and washington new york uh, in terms of you know the number the, the deaths in proportion to your population this was planned years in events uh and um there are those calling it an intelligence failure i don't go that far because the intelligence actually was there it was ignored in fact i just i just uh put a message out on X that the uh, Shin Bet, which is basically the Israeli version of CSIS, had a source telling them about what Hamas was planning. But for whatever reason, the message wasn't passed on or wasn't believed. People believe that Hamas had basically downed its tools. And as I keep telling people, and I got into an argument with somebody on X just today, never count out terrorist groups. They seldom change their spots. They may uh, down their their activity for a while. And, and in the case of Hamas, that's to basically rearm. They get a lot of their weapons from Iran, obviously, to restock his missile. You mentioned about, was it 2,000 missiles fired within a 20-minute period on October? That's an incredible amount of arsenal that it had to get from somewhere. And so there's no question to for me that what Hamas did, what, A, was A, consistent with Hamas's charter, which calls for the, the elimination of Israel the creation of Islamic State in the Palestinian territories like I said from the river to the sea and people who claim that while terrorist groups actually disappear change their minds uh, whatever maybe it's just having worked in intelligence for 30 years but you know my my foregone my my working assumption is that once a terrorist group always a terrorist group I need an awful lot of evidence to prove you that you you change your
1: mind and become become the Salvation Army or some kind of a charity group but the way Hamas operates, in with civilians, that's purposely done, knowing yes. that they're going to use that as a weapon of war. Is it safe? to Is it fair to say? Because I was always of the belief that this is not just a military battle with uh, weapons, but it's also a uh, it, it, it's a hearts and mind battle type thing. Yes. It, it, managing <clears throat> managing the uh, narrative, and they basically have uh, been brilliant in the, what they've done. Is they've pushed Israel into a box. No matter what the West does. You, you can't discount what we're seeing on the TV. And as you said, it's not, you know, it's whether, it's, you know, how accurate it is, I suspect it's rather accurate, but that's as effective as guns and missiles, isn't it?
2: 100%. Now, complicating matters, of course, is that Hamas was elected by the Palestinians in Gaza uh, as their government back in 2005, I believe. And that was because they were fed up with the PLO, fed up with the Assad Arafat, and the corruption of that particular version of Palestine in the West Bank, and they voted for Hamas. So in many ways, Hamas is almost parallel to Hezbollah in Lebanon. So if you don't think about Lebanon, Hezbollah is a terrorist group listed in Canada as well. they are also the government in southern Lebanon, representing the Shia, which are the majority of Lebanese Muslims. And they they provide hospitals. They provide schools. They pick up the garbage. They provide, you know, water and sewage services. And so, yeah, they, they are basically intertwined with the population. And I'm sure the things that Hamas is doing on a purely civilian Infrastructure level uh, that is welcomed by the Palestinians, uh, but also n- we'll note that Hamas's popularity in the West Bank, which was never very high historically, has quadrupled since October the seventh. So yes, they've already won the propaganda war, Brian, and because of the, the the footage we're seeing from Gaza—the you know, little babies all bandaged up, the orphans, the dead bodies. Israel couldn't win this war anyhow. They couldn't mm-hmm. win it militarily without actually destroying Gaza. They can't win it from a propaganda perspective because the world's already moved on to decide that Israel is the aggressor here. So they're in a dand if you do and dand if you don't situation. Now, look, I'm not a big fan of that you know, government. They're corrupt as all hell. They, they're, they're very right-wing. They support Jewish terrorists in the West Bank that are you know killing Palestinians. But Israel could not have done nothing in the aftermath of October the 7th. The unfortunate reality is that the only tool left for them which is to basically launch an invasion of Gaza to get rid of the Hamas terrorists before they regroup and rearm, because that's what's going to happen when they leave. Mm-hmm. Israel left Gaza back in 2005, realizing it was a shit show. They couldn't govern there. Well, 20 years later, what happened? We had the attack on, on October the 7th. So, I, I I mean, I feel for Israel in a sense, but there are no good options here. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Hamas, whatever happens, Netanyahu says they will not leave Gaza until Hamas is destroyed. They will leave Gaza and Hamas will not be destroyed which means watch this space. If the three of us are around 10 years from now, we'll be doing another podcast in the wake of another Hamas attack on on Israel.
0: Can I ask, Phil, like I get back to when you read the details of of the latest attack, to me, Hamas was like, you know, I guess, naively, I was thinking, you know, I think of stone throwing, like, like, there's no comparison between the IDF and and Hamas in terms of strict military um, comparisons, but, To execute the account, the attack that they did, coordinated in the fashion that it was, and even if it's just paragliders and guys in bulldozers, at the end of the day, it was still coordinated and it was still very effective. What's changed over those twenty years that all of a sudden they seem to have come to the forefront of you know military tactics and strategy?
2: I'll be careful in my answer, because I'm not a military specialist, and, and Hamas is not something I have followed. You know, In fact, I have deliberately not followed Israel-Palestinian relations for the past 75 years for the simple reason it's intractable. Uh, there is no solution to israel palestine I wish there were, but there isn't one uh, anytime soon. I had to laugh. The Economist, which I've been reading religiously for, for 50 years now, had a cover story saying, you know, here's a, a, the, the road to peace in Palestine. And I thought, how many times have we heard that one? The Oslo Accords of 94. I mean, how many times have we had peace talks? You know, the famous handshake when, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, when, when was it was Clinton or Carter, I forget which president it was, the, the white lawn on, uh, on the uh, White House lawn handshake. But there's no question that Hamas had been preparing, as I said earlier, for this for a long time. And you're right, it, it, it can't compare with the IDF. The IDF has the so called Iron Dome, which is basically an air defense system. can intercept this thing so you know when you're faced with a with a far superior opponent which is what israel is to the hamas you go simple i mean you talked about bulldozers you talked about paragliders you talked about guys taking wire cutters and cutting through the fence Mm -hmm. in southern israel and you know how do you stop that kind of thing i mean maybe a you know getting back to the 9-11 parallel um al qaeda can't invade the united states they can't attack the united states so what do they do they hijack four aircraft and fly them into buildings um, I mean, how how simple can you get? It was a tactic that proved to be, you know, it was it was workable. Uh, it succeeded brilliantly. Uh, And that's what a a minor opponent will always do against some of much more, much more major. And if you look at terrorism throughout history, it's always the same thing. Very few terrorist groups have anywhere near the arsenal or capability of the the people they're trying to attack. Islamic State being maybe a little bit different because they actually had a geographic territory in central Iraq and Syria beginning in 2014. But... You know, it is kind of rocks. It's it's almost like a David and Goliath. And I I use that metaphor very carefully because, of course, it's very very much a Jewish metaphor. But in a lot of ways, Hamas is the David and and Israel is the Goliath. And the Goliath is responding with maximum
1: force right now, leading to civilian casualties, leading to the loss of the propaganda war. You know, you alluded to something in your introduction about Hamas. Uh, You talked about uh, people believe it was an intelligence failure on the part of the Israelis, and you didn't think that was the case. You thought it was more the uh the intelligence was there but it wasn't accepted by the politicians we've talked about this you and i in the past and you have talked about how that applies to canada and some of the challenges we have here that uh uh uh, situation where you've got the intel community doing their work and then the political community spinning it for political reasons how problematic is that for us in canada as we grapple with what's happening it's huge And, and faced with i think luke you brought that up there's government has announced a whole bunch of refugees, Palestinian refugees, potentially coming into Canada. We don't seem to be screening people. So you said it's huge. Talk about that, please. Okay, so I'll talk about a couple levels. So first of
2: all, uh, I and many others, I I had Ward Alcock, the former CSIS director on my podcast about three months ago, and we talked about the lack of an intelligence culture in Canada. What we mean by that is that intelligence is not appreciated. Uh, it's not used, it's often not looked at. We saw with the the intelligence that CSIS had collected and passed to government about China's interference in our federal elections in 2019, 2021. We had the minister, of public then Minister of Public Safety, Bill Blair, former chief of Toronto Police, who should know what intelligence is, mm-hmm. saying he didn't bother reading his inbox uh, on what he was getting from CSIS So when you've got an ex-cop who's reportedly the top guy in the country on national security, who doesn't give a rat's hindquarters about you know threats to our, our federal elections, what does that tell you about the government? Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, you know, well, I dismissed it kind of thing. And that's what seemed to happen in Israel. The, the, the intelligence on Hamas was dismissed. Was dismissed. dismissed. Um, I worry about that. Now, I'm not, you know, despite the fact I spent three decades in intelligence, I, I, we don't have all the answers. We mm-hmm. have we have part of the picture. Um, and and we realize, too, as intelligence organizations, there are other considerations. And you mentioned, Brian, political. Uh, you know, if these things are complicated. You know, we have a relationship with China. We can't just cut it off tomorrow because for economic and all kinds of, you can't ignore the fact that China is there, you know, big part of our economy, our trade relationship, et cetera. But at the same time, to pretend that intelligence on Chinese interference wasn't there. I mean, when this, when the, when the former CS director Dick Fadden announced this back in 2008, 2009, he was called a racist yeah. by the government for saying that China was mucking about We've heard about the police stations. Uh, I have interviewed Uyghur Canadians myself who have been pressured by the Chinese agents to shut the fuck up. Don't talk about what's happening in Xinjiang province or your family's going to get it. Um, it's, a, it's a sad story. And we're very unlike our allies. The Americans and the Brits, for example, part of the so-called five eyes relationship, do take intelligence seriously. They get it. And I'll go one further, guys. I'm hearing from sources now, many of whom are Americans, some are that within the five eyes discussion, people are starting to ask questions about Canada. Are we a reliable partner? Uh, look, at we're, we're a net recipient of intelligence. We always have been. We always will because of the nature of our size. When I was at CSE, so uh, signals intelligence, communication security establishment, our American counterpart, NSA, National Security Agency, was 100 times our size. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't compete with that. And the resources. But when your own government seems to ignore intelligence and isn't poning up, we we heard the Trudeau government announce it has no intention of meeting the NATO two percent standard standard for, for defense spending. People begin to wonder are you Canada in for a free ride? Is it not is not it pulling its weight? So it does have serious implications.
0: Well, folks, this concludes part one of our two part series on Hamas with special guest Phil Gersky, formerly of the CSIS. And we look forward to catching you in two weeks' time when we conclude our discussion about Hamas. Until then, take care and we'll see you soon.